This is the Kathak podcast Kathak ka chakkar This place is designed to be a central platform for Kathak practitioners artists administrators and anyone associated with this beautiful art form My name is Pramit. I myself am a student of Kathak and that's what inspired me to start this podcast. You can find full episodes on all podcasting platforms and I also share clips from the episodes on my Instagram Kathak Kachakkar. The song you're listening to is called Kanya by Neeraj Chag from his album The Kathak EP. A big thanks to him for allowing me use of it in my intro. The following is a conversation with Gauri Sharma Tripathi. Gauri has trained in the classical tradition of Kathak under the guidance of her guru and mother Padma Sharma. She is the artistic director of her companies Amar Ritya Kala Hansa and Arc Dance UK. The repertory of Arc continues to bridge the teaching and choreographic journeys between the traditions and the new. A Nritya Visharad and a Singar Mani awardee, Gauri wrote the three-year degree course on Kathak for London Contemporary Dance School. She was also part of the ISTD South Asian Dance Founding Team faculty and examiner. She has curated the Alchemy Festival at the South Bank Centre for nine years and is associated with the Women of the World Festival. Her curatorial work includes the Indian Dance Festival at the Corso Theatre in The Hague, Netherlands. Through her varied work, she has brought a strong South Asian presence to the UK arts scene. uh yeah uh, namaste and thanks for coming on and before we get started just want to thank Aitini and Neeraj for introducing me to you and I kind of got to know about your work when I talked to Umarji and she talked about bringing you on as a headliner for her festival and just to get started Gauri I wanted to ask you about creating new work from scratch so in Kathak you know a lot of the work uh, like as a student a lot of the work you do is kind of you learn existing compositions choreographies patterns footwork but what does it take to create something from scratch or is there a from scratch or you're always kind of building off something else i'm just curious about those kind of questions okay uh, namaskar pravik thank you so much um, for inviting me and uh, also the introductions from neeraj and umadidi I think they are two uh, fantastic pioneers in the way they have taken the art forms forward and have collaborated with them very closely. Uh, to answer your question about whether we start from scratch, um, for me the process is every day when I do my dance riyas is uh, something new. There is a new upaj. There is a new uh, dimension in the way I would move. So I would say it is looking at the grammar which we already have. but having a refresh process uh, way of looking at it every day when you do your riyas and the every day that you start working 
So is the case when you create work for me as well, uh, especially at, at this moment of time. I'm revisiting a lot of my previous work as well because it mm. had so much of uh, content. It had so much of gravity and I felt it was still ahead of time, some of the pieces which I created way back in 1990s, 2006, 2001. Um, it was still... Um, very nascent in the way I developed it. And now I feel uh, through the journeys, through the time I've gone back, when I refer back to it, I have more maturity in the way I handle it. Through. Mm. So that's something which I find is so unique, uh, so so nice because you're able to go back something that you felt so close to your heart and you created it uh, spontaneously. But now through the rigor, you can readdress it, reshape it, reignite it in a different way. Plus along with this, um, also creation of new work because I read a lot, a lot of um, uh, Hindi text, which now I've gone gravitated back to mm -hmm. uh, create new work with Kabir. So really going back to soundscapes and voices and notes, which I made way back in the 1980s when I was in school and college. Okay. Uh, so it's really nice for me to, you know, it's almost like you're jumping back and forth, uh, mm. coming back and seeing the grammar is there, but how you are articulating it is what is most exciting phase at the moment for me. So referring back to the old pieces, mm -hmm. uh, going back to some new things that I'm bringing out now with my experience through it. And you talked about going, when you talk about going back to old pieces, you have specific years, 96, 2001 or the 80s. What is your process of documenting this work? Because you're talking about 20, 25, 30 years back even. Um, yeah, I would love to know, like, what is your process of, it sounds like you've documented those choreographies in the past. That's why you're able to refer back to it. So I would like to know how have you documented your choreographies in the past? What does that, what does that look like? So my process of work has always been, uh, drawing. I sketch my choreographies. So, uh, even when I created Sufi Zen, everything. So from inception of an idea, which comes in, I'll start sketching it. So I have, I have a lot of my sketchbooks and my notes and my ideas. So when there's an inception of an idea, I'll start writing. And then I'll research, I'll bring back, I'll notate it, I'll do the design, I'll do the light designing, I'll do the costumes. So it's, it's a constant process. And I think I have multiple books for uh, the choreographies I have done and the projects I have worked on. So I can go back and see, oh, this was dated so and so. And then I, you know, sketched around and, uh, you know, put things together. So that's one process which has been there with me. Second is just the rigor of uh, creation of that work in my body. So I know, I know the compositions. I know where the pauses were. So that was one way where I have the memory uh, to go back to it. But also in terms of uh, the musicality, the music sections that have been created, notated. So there are, there are notes that I refer to. There are my own sketches, which are my first uh, reaction and my first uh, feedback to that idea, which I keep. And of course, the memory of the body. And memory of what I go back to, uh, Pramit, which is very interesting, is the circumstances I created in. The rooms I were in. Um, uh, the situation, the socio-economic situation that we were in. So it was very interesting for me. All these things matter quite a bit. Uh, not just being stuck in one room. But all those things, you know, sort of, uh, there's a feedback which keeps coming back. So I go back to uh, a lot of that um, and that triggers off and then you readdress it. You know, you refresh it uh, with your present lens, uh, with the experience that you have. 
Do you have an example of what you said, like be the memory of the room or the socio-economic situation of the time dra- shaping the dance that you did? So I'll go back to 2006. 2006, I did Ishmi, Theatre okay. of Gods. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was a performance I did in Paris uh, at Muse Guime. We had two sold out shows. Uh, the process, two things happened at that time. My mother was with me, but she was not very well at that time. But she accompanied me to Paris because there was Parhant, Uh, which my Guruji was doing and my, she's my mother as well, Padmaji. So uh, that, that memory I have, I have the memory of um, what all went behind that particular performance. Um, and that did trigger. So I had Fahim Mazar, I had uh, Pandit Sanju Sahai with me. I had Baluji Srivastav uh, on, uh, on sitar. So the whole team which were, came back together in terms of where uh, the musical elements were shaped in. The process of creation of that piece was done and at the South Bank Center in one of the, it used to be the hot hot room, hot house it used to be called, uh, in the basement of uh, the place and the Bhavan Center at West Kensington in London. So those memories, the texture of the floor is very much alive with me. And then of course, um, the press reports and the way I notated the choreography. So I was able to go back to that choreography Uh, at that time, we did document visually as well. So we had the videos to look at. But I think those memories, those circumstances, the influences at that period of time did inspire me to recreate it back recently um, to address each me back again into the system. And I'm going back as a solo piece again. Now, 2023-24 is what I'm looking at. So I think those are, those are the ways how you reflect back and forth. But these are the tools which I feel have always helped me to go back and refer mm. uh, and recreate and rein, uh, not reinvent, look at the wheel in a different way. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. But the way the body moves now is different to what it did then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's quite interesting. Yep, that makes it much clearer. And you talked about choreography sketching and I'm very curious about that. Do you do like a top down and arrows pointing everywhere? Or are you literally sketching the movements frame by frame? How does that whole thing? So the process of uh, referring back to choreographies has been quite interesting. So I'll take you through the example of uh, commission I had got from Academy, uh, creation of uh, Sufi Zen. So it was the idea of, of these two words and what it um, what are the ideas which come out of it. So water, fire, ice, uh, furnace, So combination of these words, that's how I started sketching. Uh, took certain ideas into the R&D process, which also I had sketched because I wanted to show my artists what I had in mind. And then, of course, once the process starts, there's a lot of reflection and a lot of conversation which happens from the performers uh, and the participants as well. So that becomes another tool for us to weave those ideas together. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, building up what type of movement. So I do a lot of Uh, movement sketches in terms of looking at space. So if I have three people here, two here, entry, exits, if they are props, I'm looking at props because we had props of thinking that we could have this flary, uh, you know, uh, like an angarkha, but then it had multiple layers. So in the revolve, each parat opens up and then it opens up into, uh, you know, you're completely embraced in the fabric and that it creates the whole illusion of fire. So things like that is something that I really, uh, you know, I keep pulling, putting it down on my sketchbook um, and referring it back to if I need to. Sometimes we just discard them. 
mm-hmm. and it's fine but they're beautiful sketches so it's good to go back understood so you're trying to capture like a key concept or a core idea in the choreography not necessarily movement to movement per se because that would get pretty tedious also yeah i do i do stick figures uh, yeah. to answer your question uh, i do stick figures i do create movements because i also feel my understanding you know when you look at the miniatures yes uh, you see one movement is here second is here third is here fourth mm. is there fifth yes. is somewhere yes it's almost like a progression of a movement coming in yes. and that's what i find fascinating so mm-hmm. i do you know there is a staccato feel uh, of progression of movement sometimes depending on uh, what the piece is about but yeah sketching is my, one of my uh, mm-hmm. tools for developing work understood and on that note like when you're referring to your old work cause, uh, with me when i when i refer to something i've written a while back sometimes i get it immediately and sometimes i'm kind of negotiating with my past self like what was i thinking here what was i trying to do here it takes me a while to figure out um what is it like for you are you able to instantly grasp what past gori was doing or it takes you a while to kind of get up to speed sometimes no i uh i'm, I'm quite tuned with it because for me uh dance and the thinking process is the most exciting from it it is like mm. it's intoxicating it's intoxicating because i know i'm breathing it i'm smelling it i'm sleeping with it okay. so for me going back is uh is 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 very uh very easy to go back because i have so many of those memories uh and also performing it so um that is something which i find uh very interesting because sometimes with me because i was trained as a soloist uh there is a lot of improvisation uh so i create choreographies which a lot when we do group work but when i do choreography on myself only if i feel it would i remember it to uh, repeat it otherwise uh, for a performance and a performance the the stage that you're in the type of audience response you get you might tweak yourself uh, unknowingly Uh, as a response, as a response, and I—that is where the upajang, the improvisation comes in of the art form. So if I like, I did Gimei's show, and I'm why I'm taking that example because I took the reference of each meal. The first night was different. The second night was different. You know, uh, the the structure was the same, but right. inside what was happening mm. were two different shows. And earlier I used to feel, oh my god, but I, I, that's okay. That's fine. As an mm. artist, I feel it's okay. it doesn't need to be replica i don't need to be a clone i always yes. question cloning uh, and i feel it's okay that day was a different day the second day my body had transformed had moved yeah. on and my systems were different so for me that is where i feel it the grittiness of it the mm. the sweat of it uh, the heartbeat of it uh, the the tears that comes out at the performance mm. with it so for me those emotions are very much there every yes. time that i visit um, but the intensity shifts as time goes by understood and you talked about being trained as a soloist and and that's something i'm very curious about because i've had conversations with say uh, rupanchi who had who had the kadam right now with kungi ban and she's kind of the main teachers there and we had some in depth discussions on what is it the expectation of someone in a group choreography um but wanted to know like how is it different training to be uh, from a training perspective how is it different to be trained as a soloist versus training to be some in a group dance um just curious about that 
or if there is a difference uh, i think there is i think there is see kathak was always um, you know as it started by um, storytellers as said bards and minstrels traveling around uh, but they were predominantly uh, solo performers so when i trained with my mother and guru um, i trained you know i trained in grammar the way she trained with the uh, lachum haraji mohan rao kalyanpur kaji so the same um, texture of movements the same authenticity of the movements were handed down to me so that was something which i felt was uh, very interesting because ma retained exactly how guruji taught her she never shifted it you know that was a, a, the level of guru bhakti so this is how it was taught and it was retained and it was passed on to me and her other students um, but in that process she did say that your mind works and you are curious about shifting those um uh, you know movements you can do it so she gave me the liberty uh, to say okay uh, yeah you can move it around you can shift it around um but she retained hers which is really nice because the authenticity of the movement is as we train in the authenticity but then you allow to flower it in the way your personality moves that was one um i worked in choreographies in group but i would just branch off it was very difficult to <laughs> control me in a group choreography and the training happened in such a way that you had to own your own space hmm. you had to own a performance for 2 hours solo right and you did the margam perform so you did your thaat amar hmm. tora kukra your ladies then you moved on to uh, bhajan then you moved on to another tal you moved on to athumri gat bhav gat nikas the entire repertoire of kathak is right. what we did initially choreographies were there but the group choreography started coming later Right. and because we were all solo trained artists dancers so we trained as a soloist you had to learn to own your tal the mm. leg your own space your command in, in in your own form and therefore we are still able to perhaps do our uh, solo shows even now you know mm. so uh, like uma didi's um, durga lal festival and it was an our long performance and you just went on solo without any interruption one after the other and of course you brought items and you expanded but our career started with theat kathak performance mm-hmm. aapka jo aapka solid grammar hai wohi aap present karte the so i think it became um part of my own thing that i would travel i'll perform in the festivals my accompanying artists my collaborators were with me and you did exactly the way it was brought in and you brought your own uh you know dimension and your understanding of the art form which was taught to you but the group choreographies for me uh, was there you know you were mm, part so. of a group yeah and what is important that you have to be a group mm. that you have a choir in a choir you cannot be a single person popping up the choir has to gel so yes. is the case with the group choreography you can't start having solo in a group choreography mm-hmm. uh, you know so Uh, so i guess for me it was uh, difficult it was difficult because my personality was, was such is such yeah. that staying in a group thing i would just you know uh, i could never control myself dancing i would just say that i couldn't control myself uh, you know in, in the expanse of this time expanse of the movement uh, and the performance there and now it, it couldn't control me you couldn't contain me on it so mm-hmm. i guess for me the solo and that's why i say i believed in my own solo as a soloist mm-hmm. uh, so i did my collaborations and all 
I continue to collaborate with dancers, but I do tell them that, you know, I have a tendency, I might just move. You right. might have said something, but be aware that I might just, you know, dissolve somewhere and I'll come back. So, um, uh, but that's, uh, that's just the way I am. <laughs> and on that note, Gauri, so if you're teaching your students, I've seen snippets of you kind of doing a group with your students and you see that that personality in one of your students and them doing something of their own in a group setting. What, how do you rein them in, so to speak, or what do you tell them to get them to be part of the group again? Since you know you had those tendencies, how do you how do you see how do you correct that? Or you know what do you tell your students when you see that in them also? Maybe um, it's very good to identify in a group setting the sparks which can come out because I truly believe the art form has to go forward when we have solo performers as well. So groups, group dynamics is fantastic. Group just, you just melt into it. But I think it's so important to also have these solo strands popping in uh, and to really pick that talent up and groom them. So we have uh, two, three very young girls who are training with us and a boy, and they're very good. So in a group dynamics, they come together, but this generation has a great skill of, they're very malleable. So they can work together in the group setup, but the moment you bring them out, they have that spark element. So as a, as a practitioner, as a teacher, as a person who's mentoring them, it's important to guide them because I feel the solo work allows you to keep the spine of the form alive, you know, the grammar of the form alive. You own the form till such time you don't own in your parang, in the way your body moves, in your expressions, you're not commanding it. Um, it can slip away. So that's what I feel. Uh, and I do work a lot with groups, but we also are training now solos. Mm. Because I truly feel as a group, mm -hmm. solo karna is where your main, uh, you know, ghanta ya ek ghanta khade ho ke solo karna tagra is mm. very difficult because you need to have your stamina, you need to think, you need to have your layers of your text, um, even if it's choreographed, but you need to think. So that comes with maturity. Rigor, mm. working, dissecting, deconstructing, and then constructing. So mm. once you see there is that spark, yes. uh, I really, really, now we're looking at building up some solo dancers, young ones, mm. who are the groomings, so teaching them literature, Hindi parna seekho, you know, Hindi ke shabd aane chahiye, jab tak nahi aayenge, to kaise aap usko layer sanjoge. There's so many layers to the art form that we need to address. And I'm still doing that. For mm. myself, for myself, it's like each parat you keep taking out and say, oh my God, oh, this is it. You're working on Ashtpadi, uh, Jayadeh's Ashtpadi, uh, Lalit Alaman. Those are layers. Mm -hmm. so every time that you start working, you see the romance of the form coming through in a different light. So that process is ongoing uh, between the solo and a group. But I think dancers need to be trained in solo first mm -hmm. uh, alongside with the group work because group is easy to go ahead. Your malleable and the generation works in a group. You know, it's a it's a generation of collaborations. Right. Right. So uh, the the social structure is such it's all about collaboration. Let's build mm. up the business. Let's do this together, which is great. Mm -hmm. But in that, uh, we need to also identify to keep the solidity and the grounding of the art form mm. alive. 
I like what you said about finding sparks in the group choreography and kind of nurturing them into soloists. That, that's an interesting thought there. And I'm I'm very curious about this guy. So you're gonna as being when you were trained as a soloist, you learned in a certain way. And when you impart that knowledge in, uh, to others, there's certain things that are going to be similar, same to what how you were taught, and some things are going to be different. So I'm very curious about that. How do you teach differently than how you were taught? The way I trained um, with my guru and my mother. Mm-hmm. So it is a very interesting relationship. Uh, mother-daughter relationship of training. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guru-shishya parampara of training. Uh, what is expected and how much can you do and how much are you expecting? Uh, the space that you find between both uh, both uh, you know, both dimensions. Um, for me, the training was very interesting. We mm-hmm. had to find many a times. So um, I'll give you the two examples. And it's, it's very interesting because I keep thinking about it. And I said, how, do, how, do, how have I evolved? And which is the right way? Whether ma- my mother's training and Guruji's training is right or the way I'm now mobilizing or how I've changed it now. So with Ma was, they just showed. So there's three things. Dekha, Sikha, Parkhya that you might have heard. By looking at it, they can't see ka, you've learned it, and by observation, right? So this is the way we all train. In my process, uh, Ma would show like Driga Jangira, Driga Jangira, Driga Jangira, Driga Jangira, Changa Jangira, once. Maybe twice, and that's it. And you find it. You find it. So you, your observation is acute, you've, you've observed the body. You've looked at the shape, you've looked at the posture, you look how the torso is moving, how the feet moving, you've clocked it in, right? Then you repeat it, you repeat it, and you get it. That was one. Secondly, uh, this was taught, and it was said, okay, next day we have a rehearsal, you better turn up. You know, rehearsed with so you finish that paran, seeker, bol ke parant ke saatana. So you will still work on it. In one day? In one day, in one day. I'm telling you, this is how Ma, Ma has taught me. Okay. In one day, this will happen. And then you said, okay, fine. So, because you are still finding it difficult to speak. practicing. It is so interesting because you wanted to prove you could do it. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to be part of her life that you worked overnight and you evolved yourself to be able to articulate what was expected. So that was the second law. Third set was when you didn't get it and you came for a rehearsal and you were lathado in front of everybody that you have not practiced, you have not done this. How dare you do this? It's mm. not, you think lohe ke chane chamane hote, stamina has to be built up, all that and you're standing crying. And I loved it because it made me work harder. Did you love because it at was, the time or did you love it in retrospect, you'd say? In ret- you know, in retrospective, because he said, and you then you actually put your headset here. Yeah, perhaps I didn't put enough time. You know, mm-hmm. it is not that easy. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. is not that easy. You need to slice it. You need to attack it. You need to be there. So I loved all the three processes because I felt, you know, when you did it, there was an entry point. And yeah. in all of it, Pramit, was yep. where you were cradled and you were given the knowledge. You were mm. given it without any selfish thinking. 
but you were given so padma ji has always poured all the information she gave from her books right. which is so beautiful not only with me but with all her students mm-hmm. with so much of love affection and care mm-hmm. uh, that beauty of that particular element of guru is so unusual gusa bhi aata hai but then you still cradle and the best of it was that you think like that so she would do this with all her students she said you can think like this your chakra is good so you work on that you know your gauri your mind things like this your spine moves in a different way thought mm-hmm. may bring that element bring that element use that it will allow you to grow as an artist and that again is a great uh, trait of a guru when he or she finds that thing and say okay you know now you can flower add that movement let it breathe allow it to go in and i think these are the uh, top points for me in my training which mm. i found fascinating where i have to sometimes really go and find it sometimes you just withdrew it and you so you went through this constant boomerang of emotions to become an artist you know to become a become a student of understanding the art form the way it was given to you so i go back now in the second chapter i go back with all this information to the uk and elsewhere with this with this extraordinary which i do like you know every day i say ah today another day another day to be able to dance you know that whole love affair with art form is something which is so so lovely and i feel all i think all the artists all the dancers feel the same with what they do the mm-hmm. best training uh, other students in london and all i was it was like a thali you know if i take the example of a thali Then it's a Gujarati thali or South Indian thali where you made all the dishes beautifully and you served it. Yep. And you served it. It served it so beautifully that now you can take it in a platter without having to stand and have the rigor or to be able to feel the tear or feel the pain in your, um, you know, in your mm. ankles. So that was the process in which I started training because I was so eager. I was so eager to share it. Make everything you know and make them understand and i think that process was great some mm-hmm. sparks came out but i think it made it very easy it was very easy mm-hmm. and i think sometimes in life you have to go in the woods to find it it's like a treasure hunt okay and dance is like that mm-hmm. and jab tak usme wo dard na ho um jab tak usme wo khoj na ho to mohabbat nahi hogi us cheez se So, Jeff, this is this is how I started, and I did feel that, you know, so much of myself was there for my students, but I did feel, you know, a, mm. in a in a in a way that you know, I wish they could do more. I wish they could just fly off. They, mm. you know, we are here cradling them, just jump off. Right. Um, so that was that was one process. The other process is where I've come back to uh, the way uh, Padma Ji taught me mm. the rigor and being tough yeah. and. You know, having that thing so i think sometimes you find a balance between both right some students gather this some students are not able to gather so now i think we have the tools to navigate it in a way mm-hmm. that we feel that is best for the student and to take the art form forward and that's the mantra is to allow the generation to experience this beauty of dance and going off what you said into the woods how do you um, what are some ways you like to put your students into the woods per se and kind of get to that next level for them by being uh by being little tough by not mm. 
uh, opening the pitara too quickly. What's a pitara like the? But the information, you know, so oh, many things have the content. Uh, it's very easy. It's very easy, you know, to do a workshop and do a recorded track, and you've learned it. Yeah, yeah. But it's not just about learning the skeleton of it. Really understanding where the origin of the movement is happening. Where is the thinking going in? And I think those are the conversations I want. I'm having now with my artists, with my dancers, is for them to analyze it. Ki movement kahan se shuru ho raha hai? Aapki toes se movement shuru ho raha hai ki aapke neck se movement shuru ho raha hai? content taking longer time to understand how the body is moving taking longer time to see how the space how you're creating that akriti in this blank space that you are in uh, so i think that is a process which i'm loving it now because i'm also learning through that certain things which i never saw you know you never you always see dance happening like this but really the moment you turn it around and you start seeing it in 360 degrees uh, it changes how how each part of the body is moving through it So I think th- those are the those are the ways I'm now trying to build another way of addressing. And I think each phase, each time you go, you make a different way, a method. Each group has a different way of navigating it. Mm. So you have a different method of teaching them, and then you take it forward through that journey. Yeah, lots 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 of takeaways from there. One you said that you know not giving too much too quickly, being a little more uh, just upholding your standards. more and trying to make sure they get it and making them think about it so yeah. and like kind of in you know adapting your teaching styles depending on who's in front of you so lots of interesting takeaways from there and you mentioned the spine a bit like the spine of kathak or the spine of the movement and that word has meant a lot of things to a lot of people the one the one that kind of stood out to me is when I was talking to sonia sonia sabri she talks about how essentially you if you keep the fundamental way you move in kathak the same you can kind of build off of that and create new movements and she's talking about creation that way and that's how she alluded to the spine but i wanted to know for you gauri what does the spine of kathak mean to you i've seen that word i've seen that phrase used a lot but it means different things to different people curious about what you think about that as well a uh, spine of kathak for me is the authenticity in which you see the art form uh as you have seen it as a dancer uh so that's number one number two is the i would say spine for me is like the river flowing and the tributaries that come out of it is um is the is the is is the knowledge of the art form and the dexterity in which you're able to take it forward but the spine remains the same you know the spine it moves but it remains the same so it's the grammar the gravity in which the art form has been given and the authenticity in which you are cradling it as it was given to you by your gurus okay. and then you and then you um, you know the uh, the tributaries or the the ribs of it if i call it you know then you move on accordingly but every time you come back to it so i think for me it's that vibration and that uh, you know sort of breathing you breathe within that spine 
is uh, what I believe is the spine of the art self. That that makes sense. That's a good explanation of it. I like how you said, you know, you translated the movement of the spine to the movement of the art form, but it still remains there. And the next thing I want to ask you about is your work in the South Bank Center as a resident artist. But to establish some context for that, Gauri, uh, could you tell us a little bit about what is a resident center and the and this, a little bit about the South Bank Center itself for those who might not know about it? So, okay. uh, so South Bank Center is one of the premier um, art centers uh, in London, south of the river. Mm-hmm. And when I was invited to be an, a resident artist uh, in two thousand and eight, two thousand and eight, mm-hmm. um, with uh, the artistic director at that time, Jude Kelly. Um, at that time, it was quite a revolutionary idea because she invited multiple artists to become resident artists. Uh, I was the first uh, classical dancer um, and coming from the South Asian background or from India to be part of this journey. That there was a beatboxer by the name Shlomo. You, uh, he's touring UK at the moment. There was Lem Sese, a poet. There was Cape Farewell, which was one of the uh, other companies which was talking about climate change, etc. And few other of the company uh, artists who were part of it. What was unique at that point of time that when we they brought these artists to come together uh, was to basically look at how South Bank Center can become uh, a port, a port of people coming, visiting, interacting, uh, looking at art, and then moving on. So that's where the whole artistic uh, journey with Jude Kelly started. Uh, what I really enjoyed was when I joined uh, Jude um, and she said, Gauri, if you were running the art center, what are you going to do? So here mm-hmm. again, I said, oh, wow. So I took my uh, one of the books, paper chase, and I drew <laughs> drew uh, mm-hmm. all the ideas on it, colored it, and I gave it to her. I said, these are right. options, these are possibilities. And that is what South Bank Center really cradled was bringing the art forms together mm-hmm. and see the collision could create some work together. Right or not create, but it became a very fertile ground. Mm-hmm. And out of this whole dialogue came uh, something which I worked with one of my very close colleagues at the South Bank, Rachel Harris, yep. was Alchemy Festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally resident artists will come and they'll do their own dance performances, which I did, you know, brought it. But I thought this was such a fertile ground to look at collaborations, to see where we would not have even gone. I would have not gone as a Kathak artist. How do I collaborate? So I collaborate with Shlomo. We did work with Lem Sese. We looked at S2K, which was Street to Kathak. There's a lot of collaborations and ideas we mm-hmm. brought in together as, as a performing artist and as a person who started curating. So Alchemy became uh, a fabulous festival, which we ran for nearly nine years oh, wow. at the South Bank Center, which looked at cross arts coming from the South Asians, uh, so Southeast, not the Southeast Asia, but South Asian. Uh, we had Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Pakistan, uh, Nepal, uh, Afghanistan, and India. So looking at the arts in this particular ecosystem and what was, uh, what was happening and how that relationship happened with the UK and Europe alongside. It was one of the fabulous times of my career uh, mm. because you're not just as a dancer which we do we curate yeah. our dance classes. but here it was bringing we started with two uh, over two weekends mm. it built up to 10 to 12 days of the festival cross wow. arts cross spaces from the royal uh, festival hall which was a 3000 seater where we had um, 
Kailash Kher and uh, Shankar Mahadevan performing mm-hmm. uh, to Purcell Room, to the outdoor events, to the Queen Elizabeth Hall, to the foyers, to the ballroom areas. It was really a dynamic movement of how an arts festival can be curated, yep. how you brought the arts from hometowns, home, home countries to UK and their responses to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I so enjoyed that particular time. And of course, then I continued working on that from India as well after I moved uh, back to India. Mm-hmm. But I thought this was, this is the best way uh, organization could bring artists together who didn't mm-hmm. even just talk about their own art, but allowed to have this collaboration and collision of ideas to come through. And on that note, I'm very curious about this story. So it's not like uh, in terms of the environment that gets created for artists to collaborate because it's not like you can just take, okay, artist one, artist two, put them in a room and say, go go make something and don't come out till something's there, right? So how yeah. does the, uh, or how do, how can like the art center or what, how does an art center create that environment for artists to collaborate without be, like kind of dictating exactly what to do, but not being so hands-off that nothing really happens. So how does that whole process happen you, since you've seen it behind the scenes been so in, intimately involved with it very curious to learn about that I, I personally think it's the uh, it's the democratic programming of the artistic director of a center if the artistic director believes that these um, uh, you lay a fertile ground for the artists to develop where you give them the support and of course there are some projects which will not work but some would work and mm. when those work, they get, they are good for box office. Yeah. So an art sector is also looking at the box office, uh, mm. you know, uh, how much are you earning on it and how do you invest back into it? Mm-hmm. So I think these are, these are very important for development of the arts. Yep. Uh, I think it's important. It's not just about individuals coming and uh, working on their, their ideas mm-hmm. and getting the funding and then moving on. Right. I always believe that the collective, the collaboration, as we mm-hmm. talked about the group uh, dynamics, um, is so, so important in the arts because there are these conversations uh, that you allow, you're allowed to have uh, and then develop through that. Otherwise, you don't mm-hmm. get a chance as soloists or you're working in your own companies right. unless you incubate those ideas and bring, bring in other artists to work. Secondly, it also makes the artists a bit braver. That, you know, you're looking at mm. this unknown territory, like working right. with slow-mo, beatboxing, uh, was nothing. We said, okay, we started jamming. Then we created something uh, called Urban Vani, mm. a beatbox and Katha choir of spoken word with 40 dancers and Shlomo with his team. So, you know, you you walked on that territory. In fact, just now, um, I had a message from Shlomo saying, God, he's so nice. He's been touring. And we said, we should collaborate back again. I said, it's like a full circle coming back. So it's so important because you leave a particular idea, then you can come back and build up on it. And I think organizations should really create this as a fertile ground where you bring artists to come collaborate in an organic setup and see mm-hmm. where it goes. You're mm-hmm. taking your own trajectory anyways. But these collisions are so important. Like they had the poet, the musicians yeah. came, the dance, uh, the Bavarchi came and they all collaborated yes. and they created things. And the, uh, so there's so much of wealth we can share when we work together in mm. this collaborative basis. So I think it's the vision of the artistic director to give that, you know, that solid ground to bounce out on and build up on it. Mm-hmm. And the trust, the trust is important as well. 
And since you mentioned collision, that kind of informs my next question, Gauri. I'm very curious about this since you've seen Kathak and you and you've done Kathak over different kinds of music and everything. And if you look at the body of work of Kathak as a whole, there have been so many combinations of Kathak with different music forms. Have do you feel like there is a that uh, is there a certain music form that would not work with Kathak or would be more difficult to make it work with Kathak based on your experiences? Like, like you said, like sometimes it'll work and sometimes it doesn't because it can be either Kathak wouldn't work or maybe those artists in that time couldn't make it work then. So very curious about that, about your experiences with, are there certain uh, music forms that may not work with Kathak that well or are much more trickier to pull off, so to speak? Um, interesting question, but I can talk from the experience of the musical elements I've been exposed to or experience. I think Kathak has got a, it's very versatile form, whether you see in terms of its movement, it can jam with uh, uh, hip hop, with street dance, with flamenco, we can dance with, you know, the folk, folk traditions, um, you can dance with Irish music, you know, so there is, there, the form is very versatile. So is the case with the musical element. I don't think there is any form uh, of music that uh, Kathak or any other art form will not gel uh, coming from the classical art, you know, classical traditions. So for me, I think it's it's very uh, open. We have, like we've collaborated with beatboxers, we've collaborated with opera singers, uh, with instrumentalists, of course, with folk, folk music. Uh, so I think Kathak has that, uh, it's a versatile form, both in form and mm-hmm. musicality that it can gel, it can find synergies um, and, you know, weave itself uh, cohesively with the other art form. That's mm. my take on from my experience, what I've had so far, exploring different sides of music and also collaborating with likes of Neeraj Chang. You know, Neeraj uh, has collaborated, we have collaborated for so many years now where we explore different sounds and then build up on it. So it has a reachability and accessibility um, in terms of how the form evolves it. Yes, and um, everything goes well. By the time we record this and upload this, Manira's episode is going to be up as well because that's the one before yours. It should be fun. And uh, the other thing I wanted to know is I wanted to go back to support. You mentioned artists need support. Um, Very curious about this. What are the things that people, when it comes to, uh, like when you say artists need support, what are the things that are kind of not well understood in terms of support? There are certain things that might be understood in terms of artists being compensated and maybe have a stage and, you know, all that. But what are the things people miss when you say support and that's not obvious to others who aren't dancers or performers themselves when you say support? Uh, so, Pramit, I'm, I'm in, at an interesting space and stage of life where I feel... Uh, we did tread, um, you know, and we got the support differently at different times. Mm. Sometimes we didn't get the support, but that never stopped us from working. You know, mm. you get the rigor, you didn't have enough, but you still practice. And we said, you know, Aiden Ajayga, people will believe and you'll move on, you know, yeah. and you'll work on it and you'll, uh, you'll amplify it, you'll mm. revise it, you'll alter it. You'll take the feedback, which is sometimes positive, sometimes negative, but it's okay. But I believe in it and I feel it and it's, it's true to me. That's right. one. Now I feel that um, with the younger generation, and I was just talking to somebody today and I said, you know what, we really need to encourage the dancers because otherwise it's very easy to lose hope. Um, uh, there's no hope left. You know, you can continue dancing and you're not getting enough shows. 
you're not getting enough shows you're not being paid well how do you break the break the ceiling i ceiling to say you know you need to demand this much for a live performance to look at equity rates which we don't have in india so there are a lot of things that we need to address as a community to see that we create an ecosystem to support the art forms the younger artists like they are they are young artists young dancers who are mothers as well but you can sense it in their voice that their opportunities are not coming so how do you continue sustaining it till you find okay oh wow there's a opening so we have to build up the government has to help the private sector has to believe they cannot um, uh, you know we need to create to answer we need to create more forums and platforms where there are simpler exposure and aptitude and attitude and it's an opportunity for people to come and perform and therefore the belief in the art form retains itself it's not about just one festival or two festivals but even the smaller smaller you know uh cubes smaller cubes of things happening around which can all be intertwined together to make a bigger bigger self of it so that even if there is uh the dancer doesn't have the opportunity of a platform you're still able to help and support it uh to uh, to create what i'm to support what i'm saying is that we created something in our in our school in our in our studio at the arc cube here in bombay we call it sunday sit downs because i felt that all our young students rather than doing one showcase in one once a year i think every month we were wanting them to interact so we created something called sunday sit downs in the studio everybody has to pay and come not a free show so we must learn to pay for the arts otherwise everybody thinks okay give us a comp we'll come and see no everybody needs to pay so we respect even that 10 year old child who's performing and we bring this in the system of our society that we need to start looking at performances in smaller spaces with younger people so there is an encouragement for them to keep following forward so we i just felt we needed to create this ecosystem and i'm happy to say there are a lot of dancers slowly slowly building up their own smaller ecosystems to sustain themselves um, which i think is very important for the art form to grow yep thanks for explaining the thing about the ecosystem that makes sense in terms of just having a like which goes back to what you said about having a space where they can express themselves and be compensated for it as well and kind of coming to my last questions about i wanted to kind of switch the topics to kind of the work you've done documenting your mother's journey as well um uh, i was watching some of the videos what one thing i uh, i found very interesting is you've been able to put her in a situation where she's very openly talking about that her experiences and it's not like you can just put a camera in someone and just say okay talk about your journey and they'll start talking like that you have to kind of set the stage set the mood get them in that frame of mind so how did you do that for your mother i'm very curious about that yeah um so for me um creating the catalogs which i thought was again slightly ahead of time which was nearly 5 years back i wanted to document and i feel there's so many artists who gave a lot to the art forms but we never we never knew about it we never knew about it because there were few artists who came on the uh, on the on the prime stage uh, but the rest of the artists were equally important because they have nurtured students like us uh, to take the art form forward there's so many dancers and gurus who have nurtured but they have always been behind uh and i just felt um two things that i hope more dancers would create this for their own gurus 
because they have created, um, they have helped in building those blocks on which the entire, uh, in the wall of the art form is rising at the moment. Um, and this was something which I felt about my mother as well, because mm. Ma has been one of the most uh, beautiful, calm souls where for her, and I think it's there in one of, uh, one of the catalogs where for her dance was something which is very Atman. It is for herself. It was not uh, to show, you know, like we are all the time performing. We are exhibiting. Mm. We're doing this. And that is also something so unique and beautiful because it's a vitamin for the soul. Yes. Uh, and there are people like this who have nurtured it in that dimension. Uh, secondly, I felt that time was growing and I wanted to go come back and work with her, document mm. her work. Secondly, document the authenticity of the movements from it. Now what is happening, a lot of the times you see movements which are not authentic to the syllables of the dance form. Like mm. I took the example of Driga Jhangira, Driga Jhangira, Driga Jhangira. Otherwise, uh, or tat, tat, ta, draga, dan, dan. that's how we had trained. And that's how authentic the form was given off. Uh, but now we also tat, tat, ta, draga, dan, dan, which Maharaji, Bridge Maharaji evolved it into it. So I felt it was important to document some anecdotes mm-hmm. uh, because that generation has those anecdotes. Once that generation moves on, we are creating our own anecdotes and creating it. Mm-hmm. So I just felt it was important to, you know, point out these uh, these gems to hear mm-hmm. those gems from her. That is so uh, so crucial, and just the beauty of of her as an artist, as a as a painter, as a creator, as a poet. As a dancer, you know, even now uh, when she moves, her rug may movement. Hai. You know, kahan se movement aara, pata hai lag mm. because there's so much of riyaz, so much of chintan, manan in which uh, it was created. So, therefore, the five catalogs became quite important. And I wanted to keep it very bite sized, they were five to six minutes long, mm-hmm. uh, but captured the parampara, darpan, drishtikon, akriti. Uh, and these were the words because I felt um, we I could bring different layers of our life through these uh, catalogs and share with the world and share with the world. So that's that's how the catalogs came about and you know documenting and still there's so much to um, talk about and uh, write. So we are now working on on a on a book together Ooh. of uh, authentic of uh, authentication of content. Like there's Daksha Yagya, uh, mm-hmm. which was written by Lachu Maharaji. So, uske baare mein wo kab likha? Ma remembers Maharaji mm-hmm. wrote a particular paragraph. Uske baad unhone pura uh, kavit likha. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things like that, I think so important to pick up those stories. So, I was, we were just discussing, we'll pick up each, uh, some compositions and see what was the story behind it. Right. And how much time it took to evolve it through. And you have so a title in mind already? Not yet. Uh, we're just sitting and uh, talking and we're just building up content because the, Maharaji wrote a lot of kavits mm-hmm. and that's so uh, lovely because but Lachu Maharaji, because the way he was, mm-hmm. uh, he started, you know, he was a petite person and had more of the last young as, as opposed to Shambhu Maharaji, who was very dynamic and strong in his yeah. movements. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we decided to look at building up on some covets and building up through that. So it's a process. We are just going through that. But it's fun. You know, it's, it's fun to go back to those old days and hear those stories and mm-hmm. uh, what used to happen in Lucknow. Uh, and how, you know, Birju Maharaji at age 16, when he yeah. met uh, my mother in Lucknow, 
and the relationship and you know the journey continues as artists and friends uh so i think these are some beautiful memories to be do- to document mm-hmm. because these are the scaffold on which art form rests so i'm working with her on that now and looking mm-hmm. at compositions a scaffold on which art form rests is a pretty cool metaphor i will say that and got it coming to my last question really um what i wanted to talk about is you've had a practice in the uk you've had a practice in mumbai you know things are and we were just curious about if you wanted to reflect on how has your art how has your art how's your dance evolved as you've kind of made that transition and how it looked different or same in both these places art form has evolved for sure um uh, and uh, in the way i move in the way um how i um so confidently you know mm-hmm. uh speak the language of movements now um not that i didn't do that previously but previously i uh, when you when when you're younger and you're moving on there was more of the dexterity and the and the whole element of proving uh the art form uh and also how the audiences reacted to it uh, that was also something which was very very crucial because i traveled quite widely uh, of course touring in india uh, mm-hmm. not just in the but also going to the smaller towns uh, part of the festivals uh, moving to switzerland africa mm-hmm. uh, uk uh, europe so every place it had a very different dynamics in which the, the way audiences responded to your dance um but it is cyclical i would say mm-hmm. uh premit because i went into very authentic you know kate katha solo work into yeah. choreography uh, journey and now i've come back to the tate solo work which i feel it has to be brought back we need to have the floodlights on it again so mm. that we groom the artists and dancers more strongly and the right. rigor of the the riyas you know just keep polishing that and of course the choreographies continue you know that mm. continue through so i would i would say this as a visual diagram of it mm. going into a cyclical thing and then the smaller journeys and then goes into a bigger thing so it's always very cyclical in the way we respond um to ourselves our bodies and how how uh, we use the space and where we are performing at the moment so mm. it's it's quite crucial it's for me now it's really a sense of um, abundance Hmm. uh when i perform a sense of uh, a sense of total surrender uh which i don't say it wasn't there previously but now there is uh you know it's not it's not tangled it's much more liberating surrender much more liberating. when you say surrender surrender to whom surrender to the to that moment of time oh, to that okay. moment of time to the gotcha, moment gotcha, of gotcha. time it's, it's not entangled you know earlier i would say it was entangled you're doing the da 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 you're proving that now it's much more uh, it, it has a very different feel to it it's flowing mm-hmm. it's flowing uh, in a different way so and it's okay. great we need to keep mm-hmm. evolving we need to mm-hmm. uh, keep responding to ourselves our bodies our space uh, our thinking process uh and that, then then we are artists you know you you constantly moving you constantly churning out in a different way mm-hmm. yeah i will say i really love how you weave poetic about kathak and the way you describe things a lot of alliterations and metaphors and you know all of following some of those phrases has been very interesting for me as well and thanks a lot for coming on i think this episode is a pretty good for into how you can kind of stay 
true to the solo form of kathak while still creating new choreographies and evolve your career over time and impart it to the next generation so thanks a lot for coming on gauri thank you so much pranav and uh, lots of love to the audiences and keep breathing and enjoying and coming to watch dance and supporting us uh, pranav thank you for creating this platform to share